everybody. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing AF News Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Seipa, and this week I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Lavin. How are you guys doing? All right. All right. Pretty good. Pretty good. Better now that the Yankees aren't in the playoffs anymore. Yeah. At least we have someone we can root for. <laughs> Go Astros. I'm rooting for the asteroid, so I don't want to root for anyone. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. All right, so let's uh, start this week with promote, extend, and trade. Promote, extend, and trade. <clears throat> and on this date in 1977, a Convair CV-240 passenger aircraft was heading from Greensville, South Carolina, to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and it ran out of fuel, and it crashed in Gillsburg, Mississippi. And there were 26 occupants, two pilots, and 24 passengers. And those 24 passengers... Uh, were all members of Leonard Skinnerd, the rock band. They were playing a concert at LSU, and uh, the pilot and co-pilot both died, and three members of the band, Ronnie Van Zant, Steve Gaines, and Cassie Gaines, they all died. So Leonard Skinnerd's most famous song is Sweet Home Alabama. So in honor of them, what players from Alabama are we going to promote, extend, or trade? That was uh quite the that was quite the journey there. That took like three turns that I, I didn't see coming. <laughs> I try. So we have first up uh from Westfield, Alabama is Willie Mays, who is arguably the best all round player in baseball history. You have Hank Aaron, who's from Mobile, Alabama, and he is arguably MLB's true home run king. And last, also from Mobile, Alabama, is Satchel Page, who is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside of an enigma. An enigma. He's either, you know, a guy that was consistently above average in a talent pool that had a lot of variance, or possibly was the greatest pitcher of all time, depending on what stories you want to, you know, listen to. Mm-hmm. So, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Satchel Page, promote extend trade. That's tough. Uh, the the extend is easy. It's Maze. Uh, over Aaron though. Yes, one hundred percent. Sorry, I missed that. Could you say it again, please? Well, Siri what do you did think, not believe Siri? that at all? <laughs> oh, you shouldn't. We shouldn't be saying that in the podcast. We're going to be setting off people's uh, phones. <laughs> it's your own fault for holding an iPhone. No, I think I, I'm extending May's promoting Aaron and and trading Page. So I'm of the opinion that Hank Aaron is uh, maybe the best player, probably maybe the best hitter of all time. Mm-hmm. Like if you subtract his 756 home runs from his hit total, he still has 3,000 hits, which is just like crazy <laughs> to me. Uh, so I think I'll flip Mays and Aaron, and as great as Satchel Page was, he's on his way. <laughs> well, I think oh. I think Mays is like Mays is only 80 home runs behind uh, Aaron while playing a harder position, stealing more bases. Well, Aaron also played center for most of his career, didn't he? Did he? I'm Certainly not, sure. not as well as Maze. Like Maze, no, Maze, Maze was like yeah, above average uh, defense. defender. 
So like taking away, knocking off 80 homers, but adding in in its place 80 steals basically, and playing, I think I'd comfortably say elite center field defense. I'll yep. take Mays. Pretty. I don't think that's much of a contest, honestly. Like yeah, for pure hitting, maybe Mace. maybe Aaron is better, but like the game isn't just hitting. True. Even so, Mays wasn't, you know, a slash is a hitter either. No, no. By way, by WRC, they're actually almost identical. Mm-hmm. One fifty four for Mays, one fifty three for Aaron. Okay, right, of course, yeah. we're quibbling over nothing here. Like, yeah, it's, it's maybe two of the ten best players to ever play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry, Satchel. Yeah, I trade all three. Yeah, that's the problem with a lot of the Negro League stuff. I guess it's a problem, but also at the same time, it's it helps them that you know just so much of that information is was secondhand to begin with, and record keeping was just not very good. And then obviously he got his start at a very late age and his major league baseball career was, you know, just a couple of years, but not, not having all of those records, you know, you can have stories like that where a guy caught, you know, a minnow and it, and it became a whale, you know, are the stories where Satchel Page, you know, he told his infielders to just go to the dugout and he then, you know, cause he didn't need them and he then proceeded to strike out the side. Are they true? I don't know, but they make for very good stories. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Negro League players, you know, are legends precisely because of all those kinds of stories. Right. All right. Um, let's move on now to the AFL. We are in week five now. And, well, it, the cream is risen to the top in terms of who the Mets sent. And Andres Jimenez is obviously that cream. And he is at performing... Everybody else, as you would expect. Um, in 15 games, Jimenez is hitting 328, 381, 517, with four doubles, two triples, and a homer now, and two stolen bases. Uh, Louis Carpio, he's played in seven games, and he is currently hitting 200, 286, 280, with a pair of doubles, and that's it. Ali Sanchez, he appeared in 11 games in total, and he's currently hitting 194, 297, 226 with a double. And uh, Patrick Mazaika, he is also 11 games in, and he's hitting a buck 50, buck 50, 175 with a double. Not great, Bob. Yeah, um, Jimenez was, you know, the 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 premium talent that the Mets sent hitting-wise, and the rest of them are kind of filler, and it's pretty obvious just by the stats. On the pitching side of things, Riley Gilliam, he's pitched a total of 8.1 innings now, and he has a 108 ERA with two walks and 10 strikeouts. Jordan Humphreys, he has a total of 11.2 innings now, and his ERA is 077 with four walks and eight strikeouts. David Peterson, he has 13 innings under his belt now, and his ERA is 3.46, and he has eight walks and 13 strikeouts. And Blake Taylor, 
He has eight innings under his belt, and he has a 2.25 ERA with two walks and 11 strikeouts. Again, nothing too surprising. Um, maybe you could make the case that Peterson should be doing better than he is. He had a rough game this week. Um, give a five earned runs. You could make the case that Peterson should be doing better than he is, just based on name and draft pedigree and everything. But at the same time, for anybody that's been following him, I think your expectations have been tampered. Uh, I mean, dampened this year based on his performance in Binghamton. And yeah, it's just it's not great. And of course, the sample size is so meaningless, especially even more so for the pitchers than the hitters. It's just. That one bad outing might in, is inflating everything, but still, it's it's not not great, not horrible. The walks and strikeouts is problematic. Yep. Uh, well, the yep. walks more so. Again, you know, small sample, and all you need is a week, you know, because he's basically he's he's the one starting pitcher that the Mets sends, and he's basically starting once a week. So all you need for him is just one of his starts to. Not feel great, and and maybe he has sniffles or something, you know. And that one bad adding obviously will make the numbers look a lot worse than they are. But flu-like I mean, symptoms unrelated to a virus, right? <laughs> Which is often a euphemism for something very, very general. Yes, but, exactly. Um, but yeah, obviously you'd like to see them doing better, but. He's not doing particularly good. And then when you factor in how he fared during the regular season, and it's just looking more and more like Peterson is not a bust because obviously his career hasn't even started yet. But first-round talent, you think upside. Peterson, there were not extremely high expectations of him from the get-go, and he his his stock has definitely diminished since he was selected. Yeah, I mean, you draft, you draft that kind of guy hoping, similar to Kay, hoping, hoping he moves fast, and that has uh, not happened. Mm-mm. But Humphreys is, I don't know, like we were saying, he's he's getting innings, he's looked consistently fine in those innings, so that's always a good thing to see. The strikeout-to-walk ratio isn't great, but... No, but, you know, it's... His arm hasn't uh, exploded on him again, so... We should right. take the small victories, I guess. Just being on the field. Yep. Exactly, exactly. It's the AFL. And I, I, I mean, honestly, like, Imanis' stats are good, but not to the level where I'm, like, particularly excited. It's still, the, like, still not walking a ton, still not hitting for a ton of power. It's like, okay, you're you're what we all thought you were in the first place. So, yeah, so the... my thing with Jimenez is um, I think he's always going to be an average-driven hitter or a bad mm-hmm. hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's at least nice that he's, you know, hitting for average. Right, right, of course. <laughs> and, um, you know, maybe some – didn't John see him? Didn't John Trubin see him recently? Yeah, I was going to say that the one one encouraging thing is that we – Amazing Avenue has many tentacles, and one of our contributors, John Troopin, is in Arizona. He's been seeing a bunch of AFL games, and he's also previously seen Jimenez in Binghamton. And comparing, you know, how 
Jimenez was swinging with the Rumble Ponies as compared to how he was uh, with the Scorpions now. He said that his, his swing looks a little bit less uppercutty, like he's getting more, you know, used to the changes that the Mets incorporated into a swing with what he does good, which is basically spray the ball all over the place. And he's kind of coming to, to reconcile the two. And well, you know, he is, he is hitting for a higher, highish average, which is good. Um, you know, I think, what did he hit during the season? Like 250 or something, 260, which clearly is not good for a guy that, you know, hit tools, the best tool. But, you know, if, if that is the case and he's getting that, the, the, the kinks out of that new swing and just kind of returning to something that he knows more and is better at, which is a more level linear swing rather than the kind of stompy lift approach that they were forcing on him, presumably, you know, that, that would be a good thing to see him return to kind of what he was. I was I was honestly like I never I don't understand why they thought pushing him down a path to power was a good good idea exactly like I think yeah. I I wish they had like focused more on like let's work on your approach let's make you like a more athletic faster Cesar Hernandez or something where you hit for a high average and you walk eight to ten percent of the time and who cares if you only hit ten home runs a year like that's a really nice player. Well, homers are all the rage, and I don't know. I don't have answers, but yeah, you would think that there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to players and kind of developing and developing their strengths and everything like that. And Jimenez clearly is, you know, he's not a huge guy. You know, as compared to a normal person, of course he is, but as, as term, in terms of an athlete, baseball player, he's not a huge guy. I don't think that he's ever going to grow to become a huge guy. Right. You know, he, he, he probably was going to top out around 10 homers anyway. I don't think that, you know, any kind of launch angle changes or anything are going to Daniel Murphy him and make him go from like 13 to 36. So, yeah, but I don't know. These are the Mets that we're talking about, so. I mean, I get, I get thinking that he needs to add one of those components. To be, cause, cause you want, to be an impact player, I think you, you can't have just one of average walks or power. You need to have two, uh, an average, uh, an impact offensive player, I mean, but I think they chose the wrong one to focus on. Who knows though, with, with the ball, modern ball and everything else. Yeah. That's I mean, interesting. That... I still think down the road, you know, he's still very young. He's still not fully filled out in, in his upper half. I think if he focuses on, you know, spraying the ball around the field, you know, power will come. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a lot of it, but um, I, I think that's definitely possible if he continues to, you know, make contact and spray the ball around a certain amount. I mean, per frame graphs, he's, he's six feet tall and 161 pounds. Like, the dude's a rake. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think anyone's seen something to, to make us think that's not accurate. We've also, like, seen him come into camp um, in much, much, much better shape, just all in his lower body. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, you know, he basically jumped a grade of speed um, after going to Barwis. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. 
I don't know. That's even more. That's even more argument to to make him work on his on base skills rather than his power skills. If you're an elite base stealer and you can walk a ton too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who cares problem, if you're not? The problem with that though bombs. is how do you teach a guy to be more selective? You know. Yeah, I, I don't, part, I don't, I don't have an answer to that, of course. So <laughs> just stick him in front of the ring machine, and he'd say, "You're not going back inside until you know <laughs> the sun goes down." I think I mentioned yeah. this before. I'm really interested to see what if if any teams are experimenting with like VR training for hitters in this respect. I think that'd be really cool to think about. But yeah, I don't know how you train discipline exactly. I'm sure that the more progressive teams already do things to that effect. Mm-hmm. They'd be foolish not to because you know. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be a super cool field, uh, given that where the technology is finally catching up with people's uh, ambition. You can use it for horror games. You can use it to look at some pitches, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, well, we'll take a quick break here. And when we get back, there's we have a lot to talk about when we get back. So we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens. I'm Steve Seiper. I'm joined by Ken Levin and Lucas Vlahos. And this week, um, a bomb was dropped, I guess, on what our future conceptions of the minor leagues might be. Uh, basically, Major League Baseball and minor league baseball, they operate with agreements. Uh, a professional baseball agreement, it's called. So at the end of the 2010 season, the MLB and the National Association of Professional Baseball Leagues, who represent the minor leagues, the old PBA, Professional Baseball Agreement, expired. And that winter, during the winter meetings, representatives from both sides met, and they worked out a new PBA. It was pretty much unanimously approved pretty quickly. Everybody was happy. Um, Pat O'Connor, who's the president of minor league baseball, he said that it's a classic case of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Everything worked well for both sides, so they left things the way they were. Fast forward, and that agreement is ending in 2020, so the end of next season. And unlike the last one, it seems like the two sides are really far apart in terms of what they're expecting. Minor League Baseball seemed fine with the things that, with with the way that things are structured, but Major League Baseball is interested in seeing some changes, and the ideas that they've been floating out there are pretty extreme. So to quote MLB's uh, Deputy Commissioner Dan Hallam, quote, from the perspective of, of MLB clubs, our principal goals are upgrading the minor league facilities that we believe have inadequate standards for potential MLB players, improving the working conditions for MLB, MILB players, including their compensation, improving transportation and hotel accommodations, 
providing better geographic affiliations between major league clubs and their affiliates, as well as better geographic lineups of leagues to reduce player travel. So in order to do all that, they've proposed a few radical things. They want to reduce the number of player development contracts that exist between MLB teams and the minor league teams from the current 160 to 120. So basically, they want to completely eliminate the non-complex rookie leagues, rookie league and uh, short A. Teams would keep their complex level rookie affiliate, but then there'd be just four affiliates, low A, high A, double A, and triple A. And with that done, then they will have to rework low A through triple A to make them more geographically local. So they'd move teams around, they'd shift what level certain teams play at, and then they'd create new leagues. So a team that's in AAA now could suddenly be considered a low-A team, and vice versa. And there was even talk about buying indie teams in certain areas to balance things out. Mm. And then all the teams that suddenly stopped existing would possibly be folded into what they're calling a dream league, which would basically become some sort of like Frankensteinian test league, like the Atlantic League was this year, that's jointly owned by the MLB and minor leagues and operates kind of like a quasi-independent league full of guys that didn't get drafted and, you know, want to showcase their skills in front of MLB teams. And speaking of the draft, because there'd be fewer teams, the draft would be shortened. Um, it would go to about 20 to 25 rounds, and it would be pushed back to August because there's no more short season leagues. So players that get drafted then wouldn't be making their debuts until the next season. And then the guys that, you know, don't get drafted at all, like we were saying, could join that dream league where they'd basically be playing for jobs you know, since it's kind of a, a scouty exhibition league thing. But the main thing that MLB is upset about, supposedly, is, you know, the facilities in the minors, and that a lot of times, in order to get those facilities up to snuff, they need to actually buy teams and then build the stadiums themselves and blah, blah, blah. But in reality, you know and I know, we all know that's just bullshit, plain and simple. It's not about MLB finding a way to improve the minor leagues. You know, we had a, a, a podcast episode dedicated to that a few months ago. And we highlighted a bunch of ways that they could do that. And it would all be pocket change for them because they're all billionaires. You know, a couple million dollars to improve road accommodations, uh, you know, home accommodations, better food, better training facilities, blah, blah, blah. It's not much to a guy that's valued, you know, at, at $30 billion, you know. That's all pocket change. Mm-hmm. But the richer you are, the cheaper you are. And they want to skimp and save, you know, every single penny that they already can, and Major League Baseball already gets plenty of, you know, tax write-offs and and government concessions, so basically they're just working to collectively drive down player costs, and they're just saying that, uh, you know, it's a way to make improvement to the system, but we all know that that's not the case, that they don't really care about any of it, and they just want to have to pay fewer guys. The guys that survive will get paid a little bit more, but obviously the savings that the MLB and the owners will be getting will be a lot more than they'll be shelling out for these, you know, raises that guys that survive are going to be getting. 
may, I mean, I'll, I'll say this first before we like get into all the, the intricacy of this, of this. It seems like there are a couple ideas in here that aren't aren't bad, like geographic realignment. Sure, yeah, that, that sounds fun. I wouldn't if I and more to the point, if I had faith in in Major League Baseball that they did actually give a shit about minor leaguers and making conditions better, and they said, you know, but to do that we want to cut one rookie league team and make the draft shorter. Like, all right, I can buy it, but I just there's no reason to believe that that they'll actually follow through on that. Nope. Like. I mean- there's plenty of reason to believe that they'll do the exact opposite. <laughs> exactly. Even even the, the the other thing, like even the the delay the draft and and remove short season. Like we we constantly say, guys in their draft year, we get almost no information out of it. They're all gassed. Like even that, I, I wouldn't have a huge problem with. But, but the so rest I, of it is just nonsense. Yeah. Like I mean, there, aren't they asking you? Go ahead. To, uh, no, I think there's value to short season ball and just like getting guys acclimated to, you know, baseball as a job as opposed to, sure. you know, mm-hmm. but also, like you said, you know, it's not like it's serving like an evaluative, a pure evaluative. Uh, right. I, I think there's a, there's an argument to be made both ways for that is all I'm yeah. saying. Um, but like we, we did the math. We, we showed like you don't need to cut teams. You don't, and I think a big sticking point has been that they're asking minor league teams to to cover some of these costs. It's like, just do it yourself. These are at the end of the day, these are billion dollar corporations. <laughs> what was the number we came up with to cover all the like various expenses we plotted out for seven affiliates? It was like twelve to fifteen million dollars a year, I think. Yeah, it was somewhere. Uh, it was about ten ish. Ten. But, Whatever. I mean, it could be a put, little put bit in more, the range of 10 to 15. Jason Vargas money. Yeah. And like maybe you need to make a one-time investment of a couple million dollars in each franchise to to up the facilities or something. It, it's nothing. I mean, I could understand like in my own daily life, obviously I want to save the most amount of money that I can that's possible. But as a business, I don't understand where the the idea that has gone, where you invest and then you get something out of it. And when you look at it, as in as we were a couple of months ago, where you know a team could invest more in their players, nutritional, you know, everything, their facilities, whatever it was, we were looking at like an investment and and kind of you know possibly the next not big thing but just another another area that a team could get an competitive a competitive advantage over the others by doing so and it looks like they kind of went the complete opposite way that we were thinking and just kind of getting together and collectively driving down everybody's costs i don't know like it it's here, the problem with this, I think, is also that on its surface, lots of these ideas seem okay, right? Like the the argument that we don't need as many minor league teams, that most of these guys are filler, are are both reasonable. And if you haven't like looked into it deeply, I bet to a lot of people they're like, okay, 
sure. That's fine. It makes sense. Like, not all these guys are wasting their time. Teams shouldn't waste their money. It'll help everyone else. Let's go for it. Without realizing the fact that the teams could just do, do more than what they're proposing without all these cuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, the there's devil's also, in the details. There's also another part of that, or, like, that argument that I don't like, which is that it's not always apparent who has <laughs> a chance. Um, and who is just filler until you have time to evaluate it and you need playing time in order to do that, you know? Ken, are, are you saying that you've had this discussion before somewhere oh, and you oh, yes. want to go about it? Um, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Um, I, I'm, I'd rather not rehash a discussion I had with a certain member of the New York media. Um, <laughs> certain <laughs> broadcaster who calls radio games for a certain team. Um, yeah, don't need to get into that again. <laughs> but it's it's right back to the same argument, though, right? Like, let's say you do cut minor league teams and you cut the number of minor leaguers. Then what's the competitive advantage? Well, it would be having more minor leaguers, a bigger talent pool to catch these sort of uh, the the diamonds in the rough. So this clearly isn't about doing things better or or, or getting no, better yeah. baseball players. It, it's nonsense. It's it's an, it, a normal extension of watering down the actual entertainment value of your product, is what yep. it is. Yep, yep, yep. In the name of you know increasing your profit and ROI. And then obviously this dream league thing that they're kind of proposing it, it sounds wacky so who knows if that actually happens i don't hate that idea honestly but that i mean that is basically what the indies are for except yeah. for the fact it, that they're just not affiliated they're basically just outsourcing half of you know the lower minors to indie leagues and they already bought the independent league um the atlantic league so what do they need this Dream League for? We we have one, yes. What about second independent league? <laughs> oh, there basically, like two listeners who got that. I'm not one of them. Okay. <laughs> but basically, this this whole thing just seems like a way to placate all the people that are going to be losing their teams in all those cities across America. But let's say that this kind of Dream League thing doesn't come into fruition, and those teams just disappear. Jobs are disappearing. You know, not necessarily glamorous jobs, but these are jobs that people in these places rely on. Communities are are losing their teams. Um, You know, when you live far from an actual major league baseball team, like you latch onto your minor league teams and a lot of people in these places are, you know, very big supporters of their teams. And it's just, you know, like it, it does happen, obviously, you know, from year to year teams fold, they move, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like on such a mass level, this is just, it'll not be good for baseball. They're always talking about how baseball is dying and younger people are not interested in baseball and whatever. But where do you foster that love for baseball? What's the easiest way to take your kids, take your family to the game and not have to take out a mortgage? Minor league baseball games. You know, I, I can go to 
a Cyclones game, get tickets behind home plate, like $11. I want to go to a Mets game. Parking is going to be more than that. So I'm already just not even stepping in the stadium yet. Just actually getting there is going to cost me more than the whole experience. Trenton, I think. No, it wasn't Trenton. It was the San On Yankees. I got like a, a Groundhog's Day deal or something like that. Because in on Groundhog's Day in Tampa, which where they have their spring training facility stuff, it was like 63 degrees that day or something. So they were selling tickets for the upcoming season for $6.30. Where are you going to get baseball tickets for $6.30? The Mets certainly are not going to be giving you that. The Yankees are certainly not going to be giving you that. Even the small market teams like the... A's or the Cincinnati Reds or, or Tampa Bay Rays, they're not going to be doing that. And it, it just seems like it's another instance of baseball shooting themselves in the foot. They're complaining about whatever outreach, and yet they do things like this. Yeah, the the, the the constant complaints about lack of a uh, about the the attendance for the sport just or, or the lack of viewership whatever just falls on deaf ears if you're not going to even fix your your streaming platform right and then everything else they extend that argument to just makes it even worse mm-hmm. they won't even do the bare minimum i i truly and i and i i don't like the arguments of baseball is dying cuz i don't think it is really but Eventually, all of this stuff will will snowball into to something not great. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not baseball, but I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was Baseball America or just Ben Badler independently tweeting that, like, minor league baseball last year was its most profitable season ever with the highest attendance ever. So, you know, this this is supposed to help that, <laughs> realigning everything like this. <laughs> It's just, and you know that obviously when you're bargaining, you know, you float something crazy advantageous to you and then, you know, you and the other side, you know, the other side does the same thing and you kind of negotiate closer to the middle. So I doubt that a plan like this as approved, you know, it's approved as described, but it just shows, I guess, the kind of mentality that Major League Baseball executives are using, you know? Yeah. It it's very frustrating. That something as basic as paying these players a living paying these players minimum wage, paying them for their actual time that they're putting in, because as we know they don't get paid for spring training and, and you know, stuff like that. Just you can't even get these teams you can't even get major league baseball to do the basic minimum. And you know they're, they're proposing things like this. I would I would love to like pick the mind of someone inside the building who isn't who who came from either like the baseball side or the private side or something to like see what they're thinking as they're watching the higher ups go through this kind of stuff. Like, are they just screaming internally the whole time or? <laughs> I don't well, know. That's that's another problem is that their minor leaguers are not part of the union. They constantly are the ones that are getting the short end of the stick because they don't have, you know, 
any real representation like that. And and the Major League Players Union is clearly unconcerned about the, the minor league portion of the game because, you know, those guys, they've all made it, so who cares about the next guy? But, yep. Yeah, like, you, you don't really ever hear... Very rare is that you hear, like, players coming out in support of, you know the minor league guys and what they have to go through and advocating for them more often you hear kind of stories about like, you know, well, I had to do it. So they should too. And that's just not a good attitude to take, not a good attitude to have. Well, that's right, depressing. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> Obviously, um, if these changes come into fruition as described, it's going to be, massive changes to you know every team so after the break uh we'll just kind of talk about how this will affect the mets themselves so we will be right back after this welcome back everybody to from complex to queens i'm steve and i'm joined by ken and lucas and we were just talking about all of the rather large changes that major league baseball wants to institute in the minor leagues um not during the upcoming season, but the year after everything would go into effect. And the Mets would uh, be one of the teams affected, obviously. Um, they want to eliminate short-season teams. So the Kingsport Mets would be gone. The Brooklyn Cyclones would be gone. And uh, that is actually when I, I was well, I was having this discussion with my mom. What's that, Ken? Uh, well, one of the articles mentioned that Brooklyn was likely to be one of the affiliates that doesn't get cut. It would be moved to a different designation. Right. I was going to – I wanted to talk about that exactly. Oh, yeah. um, you know, the Cyclones, I think, are the Wilpons' pride and joy. You know, they, they've put a lot of time and effort into bringing them into Brooklyn. They um, Obviously, the, the stadium is very nice. They routinely send, yeah, routinely send big, rehabbing big leaguers to, <laughs> for the sole purpose of defeating the Staten Island Yankees. <laughs> yeah. And, um, 19 straight years now, they've led attendance in the, uh, New York Penn League. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head as compared to, you know, like a, a low A team, the low A team, late leagues, high A even, but I would not be surprised if they outpace you know, leagues that are way above them, that are more, quote-unquote, you know, closer to the professionals. And, you know, it's... I don't think... it. Obviously, everything de depends on what exactly it is that Major League Baseball does. They might just step in and say, this is how it's going to be, and everybody has to live with it. But I don't think it's as easy as just saying, okay, the Brooklyn Cyclones are going to be the new, you know, double-A affiliate or, or whatever it would be. Because Binghamton, I guess, would be the obvious one that gets cut since, you know, they just just made their new um, stadium in Columbia and have a new agreement with the, the Fireflies. And they own St. Lucie and they own Syracuse. So it's really between... Columbia and Binghamton, and Columbia is much more attractive as a baseball place. So yeah. I think Binghamton would be the odd man out. Binghamton's but, always had attendance issues, too. Yeah, their attendance is bad. Columbia's attendance has been pretty good. 
the conditions in upstate New York in, you know, March, April, May, not the best. Columbia, it's always comparatively better. <laughs> um, obviously, much better facility, much newer facility. I mean, that's the whole thing that, that they've been talking about, Major League Baseball, is they're concerned about the facilities. But assuming that Major League Baseball just doesn't step in and say, this is how it's going to be, I don't think it's as easy as saying, okay, well, Brooklyn is going to be the new A team now. Because if you remember, in order to get um, Brooklyn as as a Mets affiliate to begin with, there was a lot of backstage politicking. I think they were the St. Catherine Stompers before <laughs> they became the Brooklyn Cyclones. And that was a Toronto affiliate upstate. Doesn't really Somewhere. roll off the tongue, does it? No, no. <laughs> but basically, Giuliani, who was mayor at the time, he had to do a lot of backstage politicking with the Mets and the Yankees because they both have, you know, every team has the right to um, their own territories, and the Mets and the Yankees have territorial overlap, and they can, you know veto each other's ideas when they want to move teams. And the only way that Brooklyn and, and Staten Island both exist right now is because Giuliani basically got both teams to agree to veto their to negate their veto rights and allow each other to build teams because the city would finance things. So if the if the you know Mets want to turn Brooklyn into a double A team, obviously that's advantageous to the Mets. Do the Yankees say, well, no, you can't do that now? I don't know. Does does Do they have the ability to do that? I would assume so, because in effect, it is swapping out a franchise and replacing it with another. Would Major League Baseball step in and say, this is just how things are going to be because it's such a radical and massive overhaul of the system? You know, I don't know. These are things that will be have to be answered if if this is the route that they go, but you know, what if the Yankees interfere and they say, these are our territorial rights, we don't want you know, if our Staten on Yankees can't exist anymore here, then we don't want uh, a team in Brooklyn then Brooklyn is gone I don't know I mean, may, maybe there's just so much complicated intricacies to this that it just can't happen and baseball will be saved by uh, their own bureaucra- uh, bureaucratic ineptitude. <laughs> I think that is the case. I think that it is just a very bold opening gambit in negotiations, and it gets whittled down as the negotiations begin. But it's just, I don't know. So I think Brooklyn will be fine regardless because I think most of this is targeted at the teams that aren't financially viable on their own, you know? Yes. So I would imagine that whatever plan would get implemented would have a place for the Staten Island Yankees since I assume that they're also relatively profitable. They are not. Oh, surprisingly. Yeah. Or at least or at least very local to the point where, you know, having a double A affiliate there would be good or even having a single A affiliate when all of your other affiliates are within driving distance of the city. 
well, that's a thing. Huh. Um, I, I was having my, I was discussing this with my mom yesterday when we were in the car, and she said, well, then you can just have, you know, just take the the double A affiliate of the Yankees and put it in Staten Island. So if if you're doing that, but they're already then do it yeah, with the Yankees. They could do that, but they're also also already in Trenton. Right, and Trenton with a, a very a nice new, stadium, a newish ballpark, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know I if they draw particularly well, but I've I've never seen them completely empty. Yeah, I, I don't know the profitability, but exactly, they're always drawing something. I don't know if it's more than their operating costs, but they invested a lot in Scranton. Mm-hmm. Um, they they bought that for like fifteen million or something like that a couple years ago. Um, I don't know, but I, I would assume that both of them, just given their proximity to the the big league club, would be worked into some kind of plan. What would happen to rookie? That is. Oh no. That is the most pressing question. Asking the real questions. Forget about all those guys out there, those hundreds of ball players that will lose jobs. What is going to be happening to rookie? And the the target the the you know we we know that the rookie league so is going to be gone. So Kingsport is going to disappear. And. I was actually going to – I have a story written that I was going to run at some point. I just kind of never got around to it about how, um, you know, the Kingsport Stadium, Hunter Wright, is not the best. It's not bad, but, you know, it's just – it's very Spartan. It's very basic. It's, you know, it's fine to play baseball in and you get the – It's an Appy League ballpark. <laughs> right. You get the basics and that's about it. And compared to how, you know, Pulaski, the Yankees uh, affiliate down there, has their stadium. It's, like, very modern, very new, all kinds of, you know, you have a nice board. There's all kinds of things going on. And, you know, the Mets, the uh, Sterling Equities were looking into redeveloping, you know, a, a big tract of land down there. And the city council was thinking about turning land into like a multi-purpose stadium that the Kingsport Mets would then be playing in. Now, if the Kingsport Mets don't exist, like that whole <laughs> probably scheme by Sterling Equities gets thrown out. But that whole community loses their team. And, you know, there's obviously very dedicated fans of Kingsport. Um, I've retweeted it on Twitter. Not that these things matter much, but Mark Davis, who's the Kingsport superfan, he started a change.org petition thing to save the Appalachian League. Anyone who's listening should just sign, because why not? But, you know, as as much as we love the Mets and, you know, our local teams here, people down there love their teams too. And it just, you know, it's it, uh Shame to see some of those things just disappear, if that's the case. And a lot of these teams have history, you know, all kinds of Hall of Famers have passed through. You know, Daryl Strawberry, I'm pretty sure, was Kingsport Met. I don't think that Doc Gooden was. I think he skipped over it, but I don't recall off the top of my head. Um, You know, but... You just have names that played in some of these places and left their marks and whatever else. And it's just, I don't know, seeing local, it's almost like seeing like local mom and pop stores disappearing. You hate to see it because those things, you know, even their businesses or whatever, they're part of the community. And 
you know, baseball teams, they're owned by big conglomerates or whatever at the end of the day, but these smaller ones are part of the community and it's just a shame to see them, to see them go. Thanks, baseball. Yeah, thanks, baseball. Thank you, greed. Because it's not like all these corporations get enough tax breaks and shit from us. It's not like they're pretty much all playing in publicly funded stadiums or anything. Mm-hmm. We haven't even reached the part of the off season where the Mets can't sign anyone yet, and we're already talking about this. <laughs> All right, well, you guys have any last words for the week? I got nothing. Yeah. Mm. I guess it's... Go Astros, please. I don't want the Nationals to win. Go Asteroid. Is it is it just Azuna, or are there other reasons you don't like the Astros? Most, mostly just Azuna. Okay. <laughs> and they've also just been good for long enough where... I mean, they were bad for so long. I... Plus, they have a lot of fun guys, like... Springer yeah. and Correa and Altuve. They're, they're all fun. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> At the same time, I wouldn't be, like, super mad if Mad Max finally won a World Series. I would kind of hate that it's with the Nationals, but, like, he deserves one. Yeah. Yeah, screw him, screw them. <laughs> <laughs> screw you and your different colored eyes. Especially <laughs> his different colored eyes. <laughs> look, look with your special eyes. Anyway. All right. Well, if anyone's any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complexqueens at gmail.com. If anyone has, you know, obviously this is a very big issue, you know, anyone out there who's from these smaller cities that have minor league baseball teams want to email us and let us know, like, what these teams mean to you and whatever, that would be a, a cool thing we could do if we get, you know, enough emails. If we get any emails, um, you could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. And Ken is at Ken1191. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Rate and review them, of course. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. I guess um, we'll get back into the swing of the minor leagues. This is kind of pressing news that needed to be discussed ASAP. So I guess uh, next week we'll be get back to recapping the Mets' teams. But until then, uh, love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs> <laughs>